Amen. Well, if you came last week, I'm surprised you came back, by the way, because if you remember, uh, we talked about rebellion last week, uh, which is like way awesome. Thanks for talking about my rebellion, Dan. That, that really was encouraging. But um, it was encouraging to me because it just showed the grace of God in our lives that uh, as Christians, just get over it. We do rebel from time to time. You're not perfect. That's why you need a Savior, right? How many of us are got that Savior complex where we thought... We could never sin again. You sin sometimes. But what did we talk about? We talked about coming back to the Lord quicker and sooner, right? If you want to mature in Christ, it's not being a goody two-shoe. It's that you come quicker and sooner back to the Lord. Anyone growing and coming quicker and sooner back to the Lord? Anybody else, right? You just got to learn. Anyone else learning how to get holes in your jeans, right? Because you went on your knees, like you literally humbled yourself to get on your knees. Some of us got to learn how to get on our knees. I, I actually sent an email about that, teaching people to get on their knees, and then I, I felt a little harsh, so I erased the email. I didn't send it out. But, uh, but now I'm saying it. Isn't that hilarious? Um, but I just encourage all of us, as we're growing in the Lord, a lot of growing in the Lord is just humbly saying, you know what? I'm still learning, right? I'm still in process. I'm still on the journey. I haven't arrived yet, but praise the Lord, God is faithful to complete the good work that he started in me. And, and a big part of that humbling and repenting and turning, and we talked about it at the very end of last week, is out of that place of humility in the presence of the Lord, is then I said, take the very next right step. You remember that? Just do the very next right thing. Not that you have to figure out all the things of this world, all the issues, all the problems, but out of that place of true repentance, whatever the next right thing is, do that thing. And for you, I don't know what that thing is, right? There's a hundred people here. There's a hundred different next steps of what that means for you. But whatever it means, step by step, by step, by step, by step, walk in true obedience to the Lord. And that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, if you didn't like last Sunday, I don't know if you're going to like this Sunday. But I think the Lord has a word for us. What does it look like to walk step by step as a Christian? By the way, being a Christian doesn't just mean that you get to go to heaven when you die. But how often is that? We've dumbed Christianity down to just being like a get-out-of-hell-free card, right? Just, I, I don't have to go to hell, but I get to go to heaven when I die. But yet Christianity is very much about the eternal life that we're walking into right now. Did you know that eternal life begins the moment you say yes to Jesus? You don't have to wait until you die to experience that eternal life in the presence of God. I hope you understand that. I hope you know that your day-to-day -day life, it matters. The decisions you make, the decisions you don't make, they matter. How you spend your time, it matters. It matters. The Bible is clear that how we live our lives as Christians, it's important. In fact, the Bible, and praise the Lord for the Bible, I hope you're reading your Bibles. The Bible, it, it instructs us, doesn't it? It teaches us, it trains us how to live this godly life. And, and it's a roadmap, and he gives us instructions. And, and by the way, it's important to follow the instructions for two main reasons. One, because it actually influences your life. The Bible actually has the power to influence your life, especially as you follow the Word of God. But it doesn't just influence your life, does it? I think as we mature in Christ, we realize the actions and decisions that we make, they don't just influence me, but who do they influence? They influence those around me. As we were praying for Rebecca, I felt like the Lord was telling me that the decisions of her parents, the decisions to be missionaries, her parents, those decisions, they didn't just Im Im impact them, did they? They didn't just impact the lands in which they were missionaries. It impacted a whole generation of their kids. So your day-to-day -day life, it matters. I was thinking about this. When you daily 
day by day, submit your will to the will of God, it matters. When you daily submit to Jesus, to the way that he has designed you and created you to live, it matters. It makes me think about Romans 12. We love Romans 12. Romans 12 is an incredible passage, but think about it in the context of what I'm talking about. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, what? To offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to be what? Holy and pleasing to God. Did you know that your life can be pleasing to God? As you offer your life as a living sacrifice? And what is that? That's true and proper worship. You thought true and proper worship was when we had the three-part harmony on a Sunday morning. Right? You ever been there like, now we're having church. No. It's actually how you live. How you spend your day-to-day life. He says in the very next verse, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. But what did he say? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It matters. How you live your life, it matters. But if you're a Christian here this morning, have you noticed... I was thinking about it this week. Have you noticed that God has not forced any of us to live the Christian life? Right? We're not robots. He hasn't forced any of us to live the Christian life. We're not forced to align our hearts with the heart of God. We're not forced to align our will with the will of God. In our free will, we can act out on behaviors. We can act out on things, do things that cause great damage in our life and great damage in the lives of others. In fact, if we took a poll, most of us would say, yeah, I've felt that pain, I've felt that sadness, I've felt even that sickness that comes from making decisions that are against the heart, against the will of God. But the good news this morning, and there is good news, is that the day-to-day life, the Christian life, it can be lived. (laughs) It can be lived, and he tells us how to live it in his holy word, God's manual, how to live the Christian life. His word. If you don't have a Bible, please, we have Bibles in the back. Take one home with you. Uh, our, our gift to you. If you know someone else that doesn't have a Bible, take two. If you know a whole uh, neighborhood that doesn't know about, have a Bible, take all of the Bibles. Just take them. We'll, we'll get more. We want you to have a Bible. But unfortunately, as we read the Word of God, especially for those of us who have been in the church for a little bit longer, we know well, this is kind of what we do. We take His Word, and then we pick and choose which ones that we like, which ones we want to follow. And then we also kind of just look at some like, ah, oh, I don't know about that. And so we just disregard the rest. We do that. It, it's just kind of in our human nature. Yeah, I like this. I don't like this. I like that. I don't like this. But unfortunately, as we've been doing this for a while, like 2,000 years... <laughs> What's happened is we really have created two extreme forms of Christianity. Two different camps. They're on the the opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, On one side, we got this where life is just completely under God's grace, where ultimately you can do whatever you want. Like whatever you want. You got this license to sin, and and you can sin. There's no consequences to your sin, right? There's, There's no discipline. There's just nothing. Like you can do whatever you want. God's grace. The opposite side of the spectrum we have a form of Christian living, and you, maybe you've heard this term before. We call it legalism. And legalism is the idea that you can be justified in God or declared righteous in God by following a list of laws or following uh, just uh, the law. That It's this idea of legalism compared to grace. And, and you see these two forms of the Christian, Christian life, and, and we see them, we hear them, we read about them. But I think, let's be honest, at a deep level as followers of Christ, we know that neither one of those is right. I, I, no one even, I don't have to tell you that today. You're like, yeah, I, I can just kind of see how both of those uh, ways of living, uh, they're just, they're just not quite right. They're, they're missing the point. They're, they're not hitting the mark. But we're here this morning 
Because we actually do want to know what it means to be a Christian, right? That's why you woke up. You woke up early. 8.45, by the way, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd never come to a service with an 8 on it. That's just ridiculous. But here you are. Why? Because you want to know, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? If it's not there, if it's not here, then what does it look like? And, and, and we want to walk with Jesus. When we're singing this song about Jesus, we're saying the name of Jesus because we actually love Jesus. And we want to follow Jesus. I, I believe that about every person in this room who professes Jesus as Lord and Savior. But then if we're going to figure out what this day-to-day life looks like, we've got to come back to the basics. What does Jesus actually say? Also, what do the early apostles say? What do the disciples say about what it means to follow Christ? And ultimately, that is the goal, to follow Christ. Everyone say, follow Christ. It's so important that we understand that because you can make Christianity about a whole lot of things, right? You can make it even look good and sound good, but at the basic levels of Christianity, what does it mean? Being a Christian means you what? You follow Christ. You're in Christ, and Christ is in you. The whole idea is that you would become more and more like Christ. Your day-to-day life, it is to reflect Christ. Your day-to-day life is to receive Christ. Your day-to-day life is to reproduce the Spirit and the life of Christ. Christ, who both Mark and Luke, they say that Jesus Christ, they say He is the Holy One of God. And we see the Holy One of God and we say, Holy Spirit, would you make me, conform me into the image of the Holy One of God. We want to be like Jesus. If we took a poll and he said, who wants to be like Jesus? 100%, right? 100%. That's why we can say at LifeSpring, all of our eggs are in one basket, and the basket has a name. And what is his name? If we're a one-trick pony, what pony are we riding to the finish line? Jesus. It's Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. Another way to think about it, if you don't like horse racing, is that he is our rabbi, and we are his students. Right? He's our teacher. We're going to school. We're learning from him. We're walking with him. We're going wherever he's going. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is he's not a mute rabbi. He actually knows how to talk. Praise the Lord that Jesus knows how to talk. He's speaking. He's speaking into uh, our lives. He's speaking to every uh, part of our lives. He speaks by his holy word, praise the Lord, but he also speaks by the Holy Spirit. He speaks, by the way, into very important issues. He speaks into issues of whether we should be living with this person or not living with this person. He speaks into areas whether we should be sleeping with this person or not sleeping with this person. He speaks into areas of what kind of alcohol or how much alcohol we consume and whether we should be getting drunk or if we shouldn't be getting drunk. He speaks into some spicy areas like your anger issues, your bitterness issues, your jealousy issues, your envy issues. He speaks to every one of those areas, constantly teaching, constantly guiding. A daily response as Christians is to see his teaching, to see his guidance, and humbly submit to his leading, right? That's what it means to follow Christ. If you're never submitting to his leading, guess what? You're not following him. You're not. That doesn't even make sense. Use your rational mind for just a second. If you always disobeyed your teacher and never went where he asked you to go, newsflash, you're not following him. And yet we are saying today in worship and being here on a Sunday morning, we're saying we actually want to follow Jesus. We want to live a life that is step by step in him, that is full of him, filled with all that he would want to fill us with, with his goodness, with his righteousness, with the holiness That is a part of his kingdom. And that really is the idea here, is to be holy as Christ is holy. To be holy as Christ is holy. That by the power of God within us, we would be holy as Christ is holy. Now, are we always perfect at this? No. 
Do we make some pretty big mistakes? Yeah. Is God full of grace and compassion, willing to forgive us? Thank you, Jesus. But it's important as spirit-filled believers who have the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, known as the spirit of truth, as Him residing within us, it's important, and I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of you, that as a follower of Jesus, one who now has the Holy Spirit, the temple of God, residing within you, in your new nature, you just got to come to grips with this, in your newness, your deepest desire, your greatest desire at the depths of who you are. Do you know what it is? It's actually to follow Jesus. And whoever told you it was other than that, they're just lying to you because you have become the temple of God. Do you know what you do in the temple of God? You worship God. You are the temple of God. Do you know what at the depths of who you are? Do you know what you want to do? You want to what? You want to worship who? Worship Jesus. Worship God. I hope you know that. As a born-again new creation, you're the temple of God. Your greatest, deepest desire, your greatest longing is to please the Lord. Your greatest longing as a new person in Christ, bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, is actually to please God. Did you know that? The deepest parts of who you are as a redeemed saint of God is to what? To obey the Lord. To live step by step in Him. To walk in holiness. I don't know how we got so confused about that. I don't know who you're listening to. Just stop listening to them. Jesus did not do this incredible thing on the cross for you just to continue to be identified with your sinful nature. He bought you back from the grave. Reconciled back to God, a holy one of God. First Corinthians, it shouts it out. At the very beginning of First Corinthians, Paul says, you are called to be holy. Maybe just tattoo that one, right? Write that on your mirror when you're thinking about just kind of indulging the sinful nature. Go, no, in the name of Jesus, I have been called to be holy. And I think even as I'm speaking, there's a part of you that's like, is it okay for me to feel that? I'm giving you permission to feel that within your bones. Feel that within you. As you follow Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, know that you've been called to live a divine, supernatural, holy life. Do you believe that? Some of you do. 1 Peter 1 t- says it this way. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you have when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, this is quoting the Old Testament, be holy because I am holy. So we're called to be holy, but what does that even look like? Right? What does it mean to be holy? What does holiness look like? Well, before I say what it does look like, I just want to address what it doesn't look like because there's definitely that false holiness. Have you ever come uh, in... in contact with that false holiness it's that holier than thou attitude or or that person that is always just picking out what's wrong with everyone else have you ever met that person like wow could you please just get off your high horse and be human again right ah it just kills me like yeah or you know you really that person just kind of ask your spouse some questions and see what they have to say about you It's so true, though. So true. Some of, the, some of the most holiest people, you talk to the people closest to them, and you hear a whole nother story. You know what that is? That is empty religious 
holiness. It's empty. It's empty. And you know who encountered that a lot in his ministry? Jesus. Jesus came right up against an empty religious holiness. Uh, he came up, you guys might remember them, there's the teachers of the laws, there's the scribes, there's the Pharisees. He has some of his harshest words for these guys, right? You got to remember, these, these guys, they were the religious leaders of the day. And yet in them, Jesus saw the negative power of religion. Religion, it had made them cold, it had made them hard. Religion, with all of its rules and all of its regulations, it just kind of sucked the life out of them, and I also think it sucked out the life of many of those who followed them. But remember, these are the guys who carefully, day by day, followed hundreds upon hundreds of particular rules. I mean, these are the religious all-stars of the day. They knew the codes, they knew the regulations, they knew the procedures, and yet Jesus comes in, again, he scolds them because they're following all these rules, they're, they're being religious, but they were ignoring the more important issues of following the Lord. This is just a couple of the things that Jesus says. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. I thought Jesus was loving. That just doesn't seem very loving, Jesus. He's righteously loving. <laughs> he loves the Pharisees, doesn't he? He wants them to repent and turn of their ways. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you are careful, so careful, to pay the tenth of your spices, right? A little bit of your mint, a little bit of your dill, a little bit of your cumin. You're careful to follow those rules. But yet you've neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, faithfulness, right? He criticizes them for this outward observance of the law while they're neglecting the interior, deeper motivational issues of their hearts. He says, woe unto you, you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. This is a good one. He says, you clean the outside of the cup and dish. Oh, you are looking so fancy. I've never seen a cleaner dish in all my life. But he says, but inside the dish. Oh, don't go inside, Jesus. Let's just stay on the outside. Because outside, I'm shining. No, on the inside, they are full, filled with greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First, clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside will also be clean. And I hope some of those Pharisees listen to him, because he knows what he's talking about. Another one, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs. You ever heard this one? This is my favorite. Which look beautiful on the outside. Oh, that is the most beautiful tomb I have ever seen. <laughs> but on the inside, what are they full of? Dead bones, dead men's bones, and everything unclean. That's false religion. That's legalism. It will almost always give you the appearance of something good, right? Kind of clean, kind of shiny on the outside. But if you fall into its trap, and I think we could all admit to different times when we fall into that trap, you will be robbed of the vitality of life that God intends for you, the goodness of life that God intends for you to have, not just on the outside, but on the inside. And so Jesus saw that spirit in the religious leaders of his day. I think sometimes as Christians, especially if we've been Christians for a little bit longer, sometimes we, I think we can carry that spirit. We can, we can kind of champion that spirit. If you're not on guard, you're always going to be tempted to go down that path, right? Hey, hey, Jeremy, make sure you're doing that. Make sure you're doing that. And Jeremy, whatever you do, you know, don't do that, Jer Jeremy. Don't do that, right? Don't do that. I'm reading the Bible, I'm reading those passages from Matthew this week, and man, as much as it's true those religious leaders of that day, 
I think it's true of a lot of us. I mean, we just got to be careful because I don't think any of us want to be cold, lifeless, legalistic Christians who are just like coming early at an 845 service just to follow a bunch of rules. Right? That's not what we want. That's not what we sign. We're like, man, just this passion to follow rules. Jesus, Jesus. No. But yet, we know that the Bible is clear to walk in holiness. How do we answer the call to holiness without being a legalistic Pharisee? Well, we turn to Jesus. Jesus really is the answer. If you remember in the Old Testament, the word holy, holy is used a lot in the Old Testament. It's this idea of being consecrated, to be set apart, means to be special, to be powerful. The Lord himself is incomparably holy. Can we just all agree to that? I mean, incomparably. Like, we cannot describe. We, we would fail to describe the holiness of God. Isaiah has this vision of God. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. High and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. What? <laughs> with two wings. They covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another. Say it with me, church. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, incomparably, indescribably Holy. But if you read the book of Leviticus, we've been going through the Bible this year, and, and uh, earlier this year we went through the book of Leviticus. In Leviticus, you see chapter after chapter after chapter, God calls his people, the people of Israel, to holiness. Remember that whole section? There was this entire holiness code, right, of what it means to be a Christian or uh, to be a follower of God in the Old Testament. Uh, you, you also saw this list of ceremonial cleansings. Remember that? The ritual cleansing. But then there was also uh, this, this whole uh, chapter after chapter on the conduct of a day-to-day -day life for someone who's in uh, part of the people of Israel, part of God's family, on what it means to follow God. Uh, uh, Jews, they were given these laws. Sometimes you hear them called the Mosaic Laws. Why were they called the Mosaic Laws? Right, because the law was given through who? Moses. So Moses is given the law. He gives it to the people all in order to maintain a relationship with God to be holy as he is holy. To be holy as he is holy. But now for us in 2017, do you and I, do we need to obey the Mosaic Law? Do we need to obey chapter after chapter of the Holiness Code found in Leviticus to be in a relationship with God, to be holy as He is holy? Do we need that? Awesome. Two points. <laughs> no. Right? Uh, come back second service, and when I ask that, just answer it really loud and say, no. Right? Because Jesus. Why? Because Jesus. With the coming of Jesus, something happens. Something new happens. We are members not of the old covenant, of the new covenant. New, new, new. Jesus comes in. He brings his spiritual kingdom. And I've said this before, but he didn't come in to abolish the law. But he came in to what? To fulfill the law. That's right, you guys. Yeah, he didn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. What did he do? He lived a perfect life. He dies on the cross, a perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb of God, fulfilling the entire law, but also for you and I for an even greater righteousness and even greater holiness. For, for, for the earliest Christian leaders, we got to understand this. After Jesus' death and resurrection, they were confronted by this question, rather, whether non-Jewish people, we, we call them Gentiles, 
whether they had to convert to Judaism or to, to being Jewish to follow Jews, uh, their, their, their code of conduct, their Mosaic law. Did they have to follow all of that before they became a Christian? There's great debates about that early on in the Christian life. If you read your Bibles, you know that the New Testament church, they decide and they answer resoundingly. They say, no, no, no. That's a huge moment for Christianity. They're telling the whole world that being a Christian is not about following the Mosaic Law. It's not about following the Holiness Code of Leviticus. But being a Christian, it's about following what? Christ. Following Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To praise the Lord for who He is. There's a lot of different scriptures that talk about this, but the idea, they declare that being a Christian... It isn't about being justified by the works of the law. But now we're justified by who? We're justified by faith, believing in Christ. We just kind of let that roll off our tongues, right? We put it on the poster. We sing it in the song. It's just, yeah, of course, not by works, but by faith. We don't understand how radical that is. Again, almost all of the earliest Christians were Jewish. All they know, you know, to be holy, all they know is following the law of the Torah. I mean, that's it. If you want to be holy as he is holy, you read your Torah, you memorize, you, you go to a synagogue, you learn about it, and you are holy as he is holy as you follow this list of laws and rules and regulations. And yet, here they are saying, no longer justified by the works of the law, but justified by what? By faith in who? Christ. Christ. Faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. So today, praise the Lord, 2017, how are we justified? It is through faith in Christ. Everyone say, faith in Christ. Praise the Lord. Holiness, not found in obeying the Mosaic law, not found in that holiness code. It is found in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who didn't come to abolish the law, but came to fulfill the law. He has become our holiness. Paul talks a lot about this. Romans 5, he talks about us being justified by the blood of Jesus, that through Jesus we are now declared righteous. Anyone else excited that you are now declared righteous before a holy God? As though we had never sinned, perfectly holy, because who? Christ in us is holy. Hallelujah. So now just begin to think about your life. Think about how you should live. Think about how you should act. Think about how you should talk. Consider your holy life. And just the freedom of this is you don't have to follow the over 600 laws of the Old Testament. You can just look to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. I love that song. Jesus, Jesus. Just look to Jesus. By the way, did you know Jesus is really amazing? I think sometimes we take that for granted. Come on. Right? I think sometimes we forget how amazing he really is. Do you remember what it was like when you became a Christian? You were just giddy and you were just telling everybody about it? Because Jesus really is that good. Jesus came into this earth. He lived this perfect, holy, righteous life. And he did everything right. I mean, everything right. Can you imagine being the parent of Jesus? Also, can you imagine being the brother of Jesus? I mean, you are set up to a standard that you could never. Can't you be more like Jesus? But he did everything right. 
I mean, his right way of living, the holiness that he lived, it put the scribes and the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, it put what they were doing, it put them to shame. It put their holiness, that empty, cold, religious holiness that looked good on the outside and stunk on the inside, he put it to shame. But his holiness, it was the real deal. When you look at Jesus in the Bible, his holiness, instead of it being controlling and legalistic, it brought freedom, it brought vitality and life, it brought True, abundant, joy-filled life. I was thinking about the holiness of Jesus. He was not consumed by what he wasn't going to do, but he was actually consumed by what he was going to do. That's so important. See, he walked in a holiness that didn't hide from the world. How many times is our holiness that we just lock the door and try to keep the world away from us? See, his holiness didn't uh, fear the world, didn't hide from the world. Instead, his holiness, it actually had him move and walk forward into the world, just like Rebecca is doing as she's going into Australia, moving forward into the world as he did it with a warm heart of compassion and love and justice. And don't you know, as he walked forward, as he moved forward, people were drawn to the freshness, to the power, to the vitality of his holiness, right? I mean, his holiness, holiness, the idea of being holy is he is holy. It had never looked so good until Jesus came onto the scene. I go, man, if whatever holiness used to be, I want that holiness. And everyone here this morning, hear me clearly. Jesus, this is so important as Christians, especially people that are a part of a religious system. We got to understand this, that Jesus showed us that true holiness, it's attractive. It's attractive. It's refreshing. It's clean, it's healthy, it's powerful. Healthy, clean, powerful, refreshing, good, attractive. You see this modeled in Jesus. I see this modeled in so many of my friends. I have some of the coolest friends, some of the most amazing, passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And their holiness, it's attractive, it's divine, it's supernaturally powerful with Christ in them. I just see them living out loud the daily Christian life of holiness. They understand that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, they are holy. But now they also respond by living a life of holiness. And I love these Christians. These types of Christians, my friends, they're not depressing to be around. I'm like, oh no, I got to hang out with them again. Who are they going to talk about now? Who are they going to diss on now? Who are they going to just kind of just destroy now? Uh, They're not these judgmental killjoys, always pointing out what's wrong with people, talking about what you can't do in life. Don't do this. Don't do that. Instead, I see them encouraging other people, encouraging brothers and sisters in what you can do. Like, oh man, there are things for you to do. There's a healthy joy of life, a vitality always moving forward in the things of God in the true holiness it's attractive to me do you know anyone like that right you know who I'm talking about beautiful they're just walking it out walking it out loving God loving others they're active in their community they're reading their Bibles they're praying to the Lord they're giving they're just walking it out walking in true holiness and is it cold is it boring is it legalistic no it's attractive it makes me want to be like them. Again, do you know anyone like that? I know a lot of Christians who are holy as God is holy. And I want that for you today. I really do. I want that. Because the subject, what I'm talking about, what we're spending, you know, this 30, 40 minutes talking about, the subject, it really matters because the subject is you, right? It's your life. The subject is that you get to decide how you're going to live this one life. You can either live the abundant, joy-filled, healthy life that God has called and destined you to live, or you can settle for something that is less 
than God's best for you. You need to understand it is the will of God for you to grow in Christ. Did you know that? I want to say that again. It is the will of God for you to grow in Christ, for you to grow in holiness, to grow in faith, to grow in power, to grow in love, grow in service. Remember last week we talked about that. When you become a Christian, you're born again. And what are you? You are like cute little Riley over there. You are an infant. You're an infant in Christ. But do you stay an infant in Christ? By the way, you can if you want to, I guess. <laughs> but no, the idea is that you grow from an infant in Christ to a child in Christ. You grow from a child in Christ to a strong man or woman in Christ. Someone who has now learned how to put the full armor of God on you, who has learned by the power of the Holy Spirit how to be loving, how to be kind. These are things you learn, by the way. You don't just get zapped and instantly loving and kind. No, you learn by the power of God within you. You learn how to be gentle. Some of us, we just know it. Uh, we aren't used to be gentle, but I'm more gentle than I used to be. We learn forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard. In our flesh, forgiveness is impossible. But we're not living in the flesh. We're living by the Spirit of God. So guess what I'm learning? We're learning how to forgive people. Grace. Have you realized it's kind of hard sometimes to show other people grace? It's sometimes hard to show yourself grace. But I'm not the same as I was yesterday. I am growing in grace. I'm learning how to give myself grace. I'm learning how to give you grace. I'm learning how to receive the grace of God. That's who we are. We are someone who's living and learning how to walk with God, step by step, day by day, with the Lord. And by the way, we're not just trying not to do bad things. Again, that is not uh, Christianity, just scared, kind of just, oh, don't do that and don't do that. But you're actually learning how to move forward into the things of God, forward, 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 the things you can do, expressing a true reflection of Jesus Christ who's living inside of you. I hope you believe that. That's just one of the foundations of Christianity. Jesus has radically made you new. Now walk forward into the holiness that God has called you to walk in. That's what I want for you as your pastor. Most, more importantly than what I want, God wants that for you. He wants that for every one of us. He wants us to experience the joy-filled, abundant life that he offers us through his son. He wants you to know this morning, hear the word of God. You can be holy as he is holy. Get goosebumps on that. You can be holy as he is holy. As Jesus Christ is in you, you're holy as he is holy. Because of what he did on the cross, you are holy as he is holy. Because Jesus is on you and in you and all around you. And now walk out the holiness that he offers you. But the question this morning is simple. Do you want that? Do you want that? I don't think, you know, in this world, I, I talk to a lot of people. Not everyone wants that. But do you? Regardless of what the other people say to you right now, do you want to experience the abundant day-to-day -day holy life that is found in Christ? For me, absolutely. Absolutely. I said it last week. I'll say it again. I love my life. I love my life. I love being a Christian. I love following Christ. I love following Jesus. Shoot me. Whatever you want to do. I got Jesus. Nothing's taking me away from Jesus. I just love being with the, with the Lord. Anybody else just like, yeah, like, do whatever you want to do. Yeah, you know, yeah, come on. It's like, yeah, talk the way you talk, walk the way, whatever. I got Jesus, and my life is awesome in Jesus. Now, does that mean that I have some bad days? Absolutely, I have some bad days. Does that mean sometimes things don't go the way I want them to go? Absolutely, sometimes things don't go the way I want them to go. Does that mean sometimes life is hard? Oh, boy, is life sometimes hard. Does that mean that sometimes life isn't fun? Yeah, there's days when, like, I'm not having much fun. But I love my life in Christ. When was the last time you just 
we're overwhelmed with the joy. Right? The, the joy. The joy of just being in His presence. The joy of knowing that I'm being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus. When was the last time you just let your breath be taken away? The, just the joy of being on a journey. I'm on a journey. I, I'm in process. I haven't arrived yet, but I know you're not done with me yet. And I also know that you're faithful to complete what you started. When was the last time just in Christ you just kind of got a smile on your face? Like, man, I, I just thank you, Jesus. Because sometimes I'm just defining myself by all my mistakes. But the reality is I'm not the same today as I was yesterday. And if I moved forward to tomorrow, I wouldn't be the same as I am today. Like, hallelujah. Like, I got a little bit of joy in me this morning because Christ is doing a good work in me. And he's faithful to complete what he's done. Anybody else is kind of like, man, I love the Christian life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I just want to encourage you in that. Walking in holiness. It's exciting. It's satisfying. I hope it's stirring something up within you today. And I, I really think God just wants to encourage you in that. Because holiness has gotten a bad rap. And I get it. I've been there. Like, you just leave that service, and you're like, well, I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't do this, and man, I'm a bad person. You ever feel that way? Just, man, I'm a bad person. God's not saying that to you. Because of the blood of Jesus, he's not here to condemn you. He might correct you. <laughs> he might discipline you. But you are righteous. You're holy. You're clean. You're perfect because of Jesus. But I want to encourage you, with that right standing with God because of Jesus and what he's done on the cross, stay committed to the journey. Don't abandon the journey, right? Stay committed to the process. How many times do we just want to kind of jump off the train, right? And that's just a normal human thing to do. But I'm just saying let faith rise up within you. Let the brothers and sisters of this body encourage you. Do not jump off the train. Stay committed to the journey. Uh, Paul, he, he talks a lot about just instructing us in, in, in how this journey should look like. Look, look at what he says in Romans 6. He says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, this is so important. This was really speaking to my heart today or, or this week. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under law, but you are under grace. I think sometimes we think the Christian life is a magic trick. Just magically, something happens. Supernaturally, something does happen. But we don't understand the part we have to play in our faith walk. That we have to yield to the Spirit. God is never going to force us to follow Him. God is never going to make us like robots obey His commands. Look at our part to play. Again, it's because of Christ and because of his death on the cross and because of the grace of God. But look what he says. He's not telling God to do these things. He's talking to us. He says, hey, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You ever have to remind yourself of that? I've had to remind myself of that in certain circumstances and situations. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, I am dead to this, right? I'm dead to sin. I'm actually alive in Christ. This, this is not anything that my new nature needs to even be anywhere close to like run away have you ever had to remind yourself of that have you ever had to lean upon the lord and say god give me the power to to be to, to truly resist the devil have you ever had to do that besides me every one of us right he says hey listen don't let sin reign in your mortal body you don't let it reign in your mortal body so you obey its evil desires 
You do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Do you know what that says? It means that you can actually offer yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Did you know you have that power? You have that capability. But what does he say? He says, don't do it. (laughs) But rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer, I love the things that you can do, right? Uh, This is so beautiful to me. Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin, it's no longer going to be your master because you are not under law, but you are under grace. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Embrace that. Champion that. Walk into that. But know that there's a process in that. It's a process, and it's a process. Some of us don't like this, but it's a process that involves your free will. You have free will to make choices, and you can make good choices. What's the opposite of good? (laughs) Or you can make bad choices. You can offer yourself as uh, to sin as an instrument of wickedness. That is just so, I don't know if I like that being in the Bible. That just seems a little intense for me, but there it is. You can offer yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, or you can offer yourself to God as an instrument of righteousness. You can walk in sin, or you can walk in holiness. I just hope you see that you have a part to play. We're not talking about salvation. We're not talking about whether you get to heaven or not. That is all just by believing in Jesus Christ, but you get to choose. You are actually much more powerful than you realize. You have the power to choose whether you're going to follow the wisdom and the counsel and instruction of the word of God, or you can choose. You have the power and the free will to choose to disregard the instruction of the Lord and go your own way. You have that power. If you are stirred up today and you're like, man, I really want to follow the Lord, here's a great place to start. Read Romans 12 through 16. 12 through 16, just great instruction on what it looks like to be a Christian, to live the Christian life. It's a great place to start. Read any of Paul's letters, really. Paul's phenomenal. He, he really helps us out And what does it look like to be a Christian. Amazing instructions on how to live. Well, I've had this said to me many times. Well, I don't need that. Pastor, I don't need any of that. Because I'm free. In Christ Jesus, I'm free. So I can do whatever I want. I'm, especially in college and high school, that was a big debate. We were always talking about those things. I can do whatever I want. Well, listen to what Paul says. Paul says, yeah, you can say that. I have the right to do anything. Free. Do whatever I want. But what does he say? But not everything is beneficial. Not everything is beneficial. The immature infant in Christ says, yeah, I can do whatever I want. I can do anything. Free. The mature believer says, yeah, you know, actually I believe that. Freedom in Christ. I can do whatever I want. Free. And yet I know that not everything that I would do would be beneficial, right? Not everything that I might choose to do or the decisions I would make would lead me into the abundant life that God has called me to live. The same chapter, I, I love what he says, he's, verse 19 and 20, some of you know this one, he says, don't, let your bo- uh, don't, don't you know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Temple of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, who's in you? Temple, you used to have to go to the temple, right? Jewish system, you went to the temple, you worshiped God, you gave your offerings and all those things at the temple. Where's the temple now? It's in you, in me. You're not your own, he says. You were bought at a price. But then what's the next part? Therefore, you have a part to play. What does he say? Honor God with your body. Say that with me. Therefore, honor God with your body. Again, we just wanted to be a magic trick. He says, no, honor the Lord with your body. That means every day you have a decision to make. I have a decision to make. Will I honor or will I dishonor the Lord with my body? Every day we can choose these things, choose things that lead to to life or lead to death, 
Choose Christ or choose sin. I don't know if you've noticed, but LifeSpring, I think it's a place that gives you a lot of freedom to choose or not choose to follow the Lord. We give you a lot of room to make those decisions for yourself. A lot of that is I just want you to take ownership for your life. It's your life. No excuses, right? No excuses zone. You be accountable for your life with the Lord. You're going to have to figure out whether you're going to follow him or not follow him. You get to make those decisions yourself. We want you to learn those things that you would never do something or not do something. Well, just because, you know, I told you, I told you, Jeremy, I've told you several times. Don't do that. You got to stop doing that, Jeremy. There is a corner over there and you are about to go there. Right? We don't want this to be a place that you just do something because somebody made you do it. But instead, you would serve the Lord, obey the Lord, follow Him because you want to follow Him. Now, you're not going to find that in a lot of churches because the reality is the longer a church exists, the more messy it gets because people are really messy. I'm messy. You're messy. And so churches, we're like, well, we got to clean up the mess, right? That sounds like the right thing to do. And so we try to clean up the mess through religion. So not the Holy Spirit doing a good work in the hearts of men, but no, coming up with a bunch of rules and procedures that will kind of make us all fall in line, make us kind of look good, kind of like we're doing the right thing, while the whole time our hearts are so far from God. I just believe LifeSpring, God has given us a different mandate, that we'd actually embrace the mess. This would be a place where you can be your authentic self, warts and all, where change would occur, not so you just look good on the outside, sparkling and clean to impress all your churchy friends, but instead you'd be transparent and vulnerable, open to God and to others, kind of shaking, but with a deep-rooted, real, substantive, life-altering change that would occur from the inside out that no one, not even the devil himself, could ever take away from you. I'm talking real change. Again and again, I found that just making people follow a bunch of rules, it might make a good schoolgirl, it might make a good schoolboy, you might be the teacher's pet. Don't you just love the kids that follow all the rules? But come on, in the kingdom of God, you can follow all the rules and still have no change within your heart. And God is so much more concerned about what's on the inside, your heart, than your outward appearance. Through the prophet Isaiah, this is what the Lord says, these people come near to me with my mouth, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts, they're so far from me, they worship, and their worship of me is based merely on human rules that they have been taught following rules with hearts that are so far from God God does not want us to just go through the motions so we don't get in trouble that is not what it means to be a Christian he wants our hearts he wants people like King David. Remember King David? He was described as a man after God's own heart. Talk about the authentic self. David just laid it out there. Have you read any of the Psalms? I mean, it goes one moment of extreme despair to a moment of extreme praise. David, he didn't have it all together. In fact, David made some terrible decisions while he was on this earth but he loved the lord with everything that he had and when he sinned you remember he just tore his clothes before the lord he humbled himself he asked for forgiveness and this is what god would ask for many of us this morning for us to come before the lord in honesty and give our lives back to him again just to be real with our maker and remember you have made some crazy mistakes 
But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, God is not just counting your sins against you. He does not have a chalkboard where he is just tallying up your sins. Your sins, Jesus took every one of them away. You are declared holy because Christ who is in you is holy. And because of the holiness of Christ, you now have fellowship with God, reconciled back to God. But now God has a life for you. He has created and destined you to live a life, a holy life for him. And I'm talking about really live, not just survive, you know, just kind of, well, I just got to make it till I get to heaven just gotta make it till i get to heaven not just survive but to thrive a vibrant full life in jesus and so god is here this morning praise the lord his presence is here and he's available he wants to teach us he wants to show us some things he wants to lead us say hey this is beneficial for you but this over here that that would harm you come this way he wants to reveal to you what could lead you into life but also help you and protect you from what might lead you into death he's actually here right now by his holy spirit to teach you to help you so that you might have his divine power supernatural power to honor the lord with all your decisions all the choices that you make and i hope you're open to that today again Maybe not everyone is, but I hope you are because there is an opportunity. But it takes a tremendous amount of maturity on your part, right? Let's be honest. It takes a tremendous amount of faith to actually yield. We're not good at yielding. We're not good at surrendering. But yielding to the Holy Spirit's voice, yielding to his instruction and letting him change us and actually from a place of change, a changed and transformed heart, that we would move from this place, move forward and obey what he says. If the worship team would come up, I, I just want to say this. Sometimes I think it is easier for us to respond to a bunch of rules, right? Have you ever been there like, screw this whole relationship thing, just give me ten rules and I'm good. But that's not what God wants from us this morning. He wants us to respond to his voice from a place of intimacy and relationship and it will take a maturity on our part to seek his presence to hear his voice but then also to allow him to work on us to change us to chisel us to chisel the things that aren't of god to highlight the things in our lives that come on they're just flat out sin there's no way around it to lay them down to surrender them to the lord and instead walk in the path in the direction that he has created us to live church that means this has to be a place that i would say is a no excuses zone no excuses, no more excuses for our sins. When we get up to heaven, I don't think our excuses are going to do much for us. Well, he said that, or she did Well, you don't know what my parents were like. You don't know what my boyfriend was like. Our excuses aren't going to do much for us. Drop the excuses. Just come vulnerable, open before the Lord. It's okay this morning to get a little honest, to get a little messy with God. God can handle your mess. God can handle it. I, I can't tell you how many people say, well, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Well, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Like, God can handle your mess. He loves you. He knew what you were doing, and yet he still died for you. As a Christian, you're washed in the blood of Jesus. You are not condemned. He adores you. He loves you. In fact, he loves you just the way you are, but his love for you is so great, he's not going to let you stay where you are. 
Right? God is in the business of changing people to become more like his son, to be holy as Jesus Christ is holy. And if you allow him, church, he will change you. He will transform you. And day by day by day, step by step by step by step by step, you will grow and become more like Jesus Christ. But you have to surrender. Surrender and yield and humble yourself. And from that place of humility, the Lord promises he will lead you into a joy-filled, healthy, vibrant, Zoe, satisfying life in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. But the challenge to me, the challenge to you is we got to be honest today. We got to come to grips to with some of the things we're doing. We have excuses for why we're doing them. But the Holy Spirit right now, he's telling us, man, that's just not right. What you're doing, it isn't good for you. I only want good things for you, the Lord says. But that isn't good for you. And I don't even have to tell you that, right? Jesus has been telling you those things probably for a long time. Maybe today he's even revealing some of those things for you. But in this moment, just call on the Lord. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, ask him for help. Jesus, Jesus, call on the Lord. Ask him to help you in this day-to-day, step-by-step, moment-by-moment Christian life where you're becoming more like Jesus every day. So let's ask him right now in this moment. We're going to ask him. We're going to be bold with you, Jesus. We're going to ask you to help us, to correct us, Lord, to discipline us. Change our hearts, transform our minds. And Lord, I believe as we call upon you, you're not just going to begin to tell us all the things we can't do. You're not going to pull out a list of don't do this and don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. Lord, I believe by your spirit, in these moments, you begin to reveal all the things that we can do. That you have created us for so much more than this. You have not created us just for cold, lifeless religion where we just lock the doors and try to stay away from the world and hide from the world and just try not to do anything wrong, Lord. The holiness you've called us to is actually an empowerment of your Holy Spirit that gives us the strength, gives us the resources, gives us your spirit to do incredible, supernatural, powerful things on this earth, walking forward in movement, forward into the things that we can do in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, that our holiness would no longer be defined by the list of rules and regulations that we cannot do. But instead, Lord, you have created us for good works, things that we might do in the mighty name of Jesus to be holy, to walk in love and joy and grace and peace, to walk in kindness and gentleness, to walk in faithfulness, to walk in righteousness justified, declared holy before a holy God because of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. And from that place, Lord, we would not cower in the corner, but we would move forward into your plans and purposes for our lives. If there's anyone here this morning and you're just tired of living that empty, cold, religious life, instead you want to just experience that abundant, active, full, joy-filled, free life. If that's you today, I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. And just begin to pray to the Lord as well. And, and, and just know that He hears everything you're saying right now. Anything you might be talking to Him. If it's messy, if it's awkward, if it if even, I mean, there's areas that we just have so much shame, we're not even willing to talk to anyone about those things. But God is not here to condemn you. He, he wants to save you. So, Lord, I just pray for every person here. Every person, everyone that is here who didn't come 
just to be religious, who didn't come just to check off the box and say, I went to church, but someone that came because they said, I want to know how to follow Christ. I want to know what it means to be a Christian. For anyone in this room who has that heart's desire, Lord, would you speak right now by your presence? Just speak. Speak. Just speak. Just, just reveal next steps. Reveal a path. Reveal uh, the next part of the journey. Reveal the next part of the process. Just begin to reveal the, the work that you want to do in their lives. Just reveal some of the correction you want to do in their life. Some of the discipline you might want to do in their lives. Not to condemn them. Not to shame them. But actually because you want to lead them into the good things of your kingdom. You actually want to lead them into the joy-filled things of your kingdom. And church, as we sing this next song, I just want to encourage us use this time to worship the Lord, to worship the Lord, to cry out, Jesus, Jesus, to be thankful we're no longer under the Mosaic law and the holiness code of Leviticus, but we are under the grace of God found in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So God, we worship you today. We worship you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us? Let's worship Jesus.